America is at a crossroads and a majority of voters say they want a third party. Well, is the Libertarian Party ready to step up for the challenge? Let's talk about that. Instead of focusing on winning arguments, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and marketing and how we can use them to win in the world of politics, teaching you how to meet people where they're at on the issues they care about. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. Well, hey there, folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show, and thank you for joining us on, of course, another fun-filled episode. I am, as always, your humble host, joining you live from our BNC studios here in lovely eastern Indiana, folks. The recession is right around the corner. You feel it, I feel it, and more importantly, your customers feel it. So do not get left stuck in the dust. Revise your sales and messaging strategies today so you are not stuck in the dirt tomorrow. Email me, brian at Consulting.com. All right, let's talk about, yes, the fact that a majority of Americans are looking for an alternative out there. Actually, if you look at the number one and number two respective nominees, well, <laughs> presumptive nominees for their parties in Joe Biden and Donald Trump for their GOP and Democratic parties, a majority of Americans say they don't want either of them to run. They want somebody different. And could that be a third-party candidate like a libertarian candidate? Well, we're going to discuss that in a little bit more. Joining us today on The Brian Nichols Show, returning to the program, Todd Hagopian. Welcome back to The Brian Nichols Show. Thank you so much. Absolutely, Todd. Thank you for joining us. Great to have you back on the show. It's been a while, and uh, I know we've had a lot that's happened since you were last here on the show. So before we dig into all things libertarian politics, do us a favor, reintroduce yourself here to the Brian Nichols Show audience. Sure. I'm Todd Hagopian. I have been in the Libertarian Party for about seven years now. Brian and I met probably about five years ago or so and started coming on the show um, shortly after that at some point in time. Um, I was the Oklahoma Libertarian uh, treasurer, and then I became the LNC treasurer this past May. And so that's the only position I hold at the moment. Talk to us about where the Libertarian Party is, Todd, because as I tease there in the intro, a lot of Americans are starting to raise their eye to maybe a different way of doing things politically. Now, that being said, right, a lot of folks, they're always going to be ingrained in their camp, left, right, Democrat, Republican, but for what is, I would say, at least a plurality of American voters, they are open to a third party. So let's make that pitch. Where do you see right now the Libertarian Party fitting into this big puzzle? Sure. So, I mean, the Libertarian Party obviously can be broken up into the the idea of being a Libertarian and the actual party. But let's talk about the idea of being a Libertarian, because that's what happens. Uh, that what, That's what matters to most people. So the idea of being a Libertarian, I mean, we're coming out of COVID, where a ton of people had um, had this experience where government uh, basically infringed on their lives in a variety of different ways, had very massive financial impacts, had health impacts, had mental health impacts, and and have noticed that um, that the Libertarian Party was one of the few who were fighting for their rights during that time. And even the folks who on the right, who might have been fighting for their rights on the time, were doing other things that they didn't like. Uh, big government spending money, we went into debt, all this inflation could be drawn back to Donald Trump at the beginning. And so between any any of these financial hardships that they've seen over the last few years can be drawn um, towards, you know, more, more infringing government, more spending, more things that are hurting us uh, every day. And I think that's gonna help us from the, from the side on the right. From the side on the left, you're looking at, you know, um, massive, massive government programs that they've put in place and obviously accelerated the debt once uh, once 
Biden got in, which killed inflation. And people are now starting to realize that, you know, as Biden was talking about, this inflation will just be transitory. And now all of a sudden it's been demolished, um, demolished the economy, hurt the interest rates. You know, every single person is feeling it now and home prices are starting to fall, which are most people's largest assets. I think people are starting to realize that they didn't know what they were talking about from an economic standpoint. So now you have both sides really failing at economy over the last two years. And the economy is going to be what speaks to us, especially if we're halfway through a recession by the time the election rolls around or, or God forbid, just rolling into a recession would probably be um, kind of the perfect storm Mm -hmm. where both parties both parties have have no defense against how they've treated us for the last four years. So both parties, to your point, seem to not really have an answer in terms of approaching things with some common sense in the, the economic standpoint. Now, I will say there's a lot of friends on the more right side of the aisle, like our Thomas Massey's, our Rand Paul's, who they get it, but they unfortunately are a mi- minority within that greater party in the GOP, for example. Yeah. So let's say to those individuals, you know, hey, maybe there is an alternative in the Libertarian Party. What's the case there? Yeah. So, I mean, for for folks to actually jump ship and become Libertarians, obviously, we've been making that pitch for a long time. Justin Amash is the only one who's done that. Um, I think that I think that those folks have started to give nods to Libertarians. I believe this last cycle, Rand Paul, uh, actually endorsed a couple of libertarians here and there. I think it's starting to become a little more in to have that discussion and actually call yourself a libertarian. Whereas probably eight years ago, we were talking about uh, what do they call us? It was um, libertarians or whatever. What yeah, else? I can't remember what uh, John McCain said that one time, but it was like whack a doodle. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he was he was talking all oh, wacko birds. He was calling all the you know, the Masseys and the Pauls of the world, wacko birds, whereas now those guys are getting a little more um, comfortable actually saying the word libertarian and and defining their strategy as libertarian, even if they're not libertarian. Mm-hmm. And I think that does help us. It's just like, you know, a moderate Democrat or a moderate Republican gets viewed differently by the moderates, you know, in mm-hmm. the country as these people start to talk about libertarian uh, viewpoints and making libertarian arguments, I think that will help us. Do I ever think Massey and Ron uh, Rand Paul is going to come over to our side? Probably not. Um, I don't think so. But but crazier things have happened. I didn't think Abash would either, and he jumped. He jumped over. So well, and let's kind of touch on that, right? Because there seems like there should be at least a natural progression from disaffected liberty Republican to libertarian. And to your point, only Justin Amash has been the one willing to take that step. Why? Why do you think, Todd, that the the liberty Republicans out there who maybe are more on board with the libertarian party platform than they are with their GOP platform are sticking with the GOP? Money. Uh, so I think it's it's real clear, like even Justin Amash didn't jump ship until he had decided that he wasn't going to run for office again. And and I love Justin Amash, but but you can't deny that that's why he waited until that moment. You know, it was it was to the point where there you can benefit so greatly from being in one of those two parties and being in their financial machine. Um, and until somebody kicks you to the curb and doesn't support you anymore, 
um, there's no reason to leave. And at that moment, when Donald Trump basically said he was going to support whoever ran against Amash, you know, and then Peter, I think it's Peter Meyer, mm-hmm. uh, announced he was going to run. And Meyer has a big name in Michigan. I'm from Michigan. I know the Meyer family. You know what I mean? Like um, at that point, Amash could see the writing on the wall and uh, and decided to become an independent first, if you remember, and then slowly became a libertarian as he decided he wasn't going to run. Um, and so, unfortunately, I think that there's too much, you know, money in politics and, and that is playing a role. Um, and we're going to really need, you know, some some personalities that can raise money if we want to crack that code um, and and or personalities where the money will follow. You know, so Rand Paul, Thomas Massey are those big enough personalities where the money will follow them into the Libertarian Party if they were to come. Not so sure about that. Mm-hmm. Justin Amash was not, you know, um, there could be some out there that are. Well, that what, what a better topic to have you on the show then, Todd, to talk about money, right? Because you are the LNC treasurer, right? That's your official title? Yes, sir. All right. So let's let's talk about that, right? Because uh, I've heard a lot of uh, detractors of the new regime, if you will, for the Libertarian Party with the Mises Caucus, um, (laughs) saying that when you look at where the Libertarian Party is today, financially, we're not in as good of a spot. Now, I've seen some of those long-term progressions of money in, money out, and it looks like Mm -hmm. we're pretty much on par for the course where you'd be in, uh, you know, two, three years removed from a presidential cycle. But Hey, that's just me. I'm I'm an outsider looking in. Yeah. Tell us, Todd, what's the actual uh, monetary situation looking like here for the uh, Greater Libertarian Party? Yeah. So first, we'll talk about monetary situation, and then we'll talk about a PNL because okay. uh, they're two different things. Okay. Yep. So when the new regime, quote unquote, new regime took over, um, we had just run out of money. Uh, we had just taken out a loan against the building. Um, to make payments. The building uh, being Libertarian Party headquarters over in the, the greater Libertarian DC. Party area, headquarters. Correct? This had all happened here in, in Q1 of 2022. They had basically missed revenue by a substantial amount and continued to spend. Even though they did hold back their expenses, they spent more than they took in. And they went from having, you know, approximately $100,000 in cash to having negative 50 and had to take a loan against the building. <laughs> um, that's what we inherited. Right now, we have about $240,000 of cash. Um, so if you're talking about, you know, what is our, fi- and we paid off the loan, by the way, so that's 290 net, you know what I mean? Um, so, I mean, if you're talking about our financial position, the party has done an excellent job. We turned around a downturn from a financial standpoint turned around a massive downturn that was headed in the wrong direction. We got our spending under control and we are bringing in more than we're kicking out. Um, So that's, that's where we are today. We have, we're, we're duty bound to keep approximately $80,000 of cash at any given time. The other people were too, they just didn't do it. Um, But to keep $80,000 of cash at any given time so that we can deal with our expenses if we do have a terrible couple months of fundraising. Okay. Uh, But we keep 240 at this point. So from that standpoint, we're doing really well. Now from a P&L standpoint, not so well. Um, So our revenue is way, way down. Uh, Not good. I'm just going to say that it's not good right now. Um, So the last three months, we've averaged about $80,000 of revenue Um, in the past you would probably be looking at one hundred thirty to one hundred fifty thousand dollars a month average 
Now they do fluctuate wildly from $100,000 months to $200,000 months. Um, but seventy-five dollars to $90,000 is not a range you can be in for very long. There's a couple of things that have led to that mm-hmm. that we can talk through. Yeah, please, please do elaborate a little bit there. Yeah, so essentially what we did is we knew that we were spending money uh, wrong in the party. And so when you do that, when you take over a business and, and the money's wrong, you've got to fix it, right? If you're making bad investments, you have to pull back the investments and then divvy out the money in a better way. And a really, a really um, quick time, how were they wrong? What, what specifically would you say was okay, bad so investments? For example, we were spending money on things that were losing money. Mm. So you don't spend 100000 to make eighty. You know, you don't spend 50000 on a on a big, you know, production to bring in twenty. You just you you don't make those types of investments and you don't spend a hundred thousand dollars on project X when you're not gonna have that hundred thousand dollars more of um more of revenue than expenses. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. you have to look at how much you're actually gonna bring in and then make the budget accordingly. But you also have to make sure you're spending your fundraising expense dollars appropriately to drive the most fundraising um, revenue. Okay. So for example, direct mail was a terrible, terrible use of our money. Um, And it was, you know, six figures of expense. And there were times when we were bringing in less than what we spent. There were times when we were bringing in just over what we spent. But at the end of the day, it was basically negligible Mm -hmm. return. So we essentially eliminated that. Um, now we've taken it to, you know, and this is all public information. I publish financials every month. We've taken it down. Um, we basically eliminated it for three or four months and now we're going to build it back up. Okay. So when we look at $80,000, you know, year and or $80,000 a month in revenue, well, if we didn't spend 15 in direct mail, uh, we didn't bring in the 16 that would have come in, you know, that would have been a hundred thousand dollar a month but we also had 15,000 less in expenses. Mm -hmm. So that's why we haven't lost money this year at 75 to 90,000 in revenue. Whereas last year they were losing money at 120,000 a month in revenue because we've, we've controlled that expenditure. Mm -hmm. Now is the time where we have to start spending that money again and spend the money on the fundraising expense. For example, last year they spent over $50,000 on fundraising contractors. This year we haven't spent hardly anything. You know what I mean? So we need to bring those back. Uh, and and we always had that in the plan. They just hadn't started yet. Mm-hmm. So the fundraising contractors are starting. The direct mail is starting to slide back in. We're going to do some other things, um, spend some more money on project fundraising that we haven't done so far this year, and things are going to come back. But the point was, is you basically had to burn it down to nothing and then start uh, investing wisely again, or you could have continued as we were and and spend a ton of money to make a little money, mm-hmm. you know. And so that's that's kind of the process that we've taken. Um, and it, like any business turnaround, I would say, it got worse than you thought it was going to look. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And we were just talking about this before the show. You know, it's hard to it's hard to change a business, and there will be times where it just it gets worse than you thought. So if you had asked me if I thought we were going to be you know, three sub $90,000 months. Nope. Did not think that. Otherwise that was how the budget would have looked. You know, <laughs> you can tell exactly what I thought was going to happen because I gave you a 12 month budget and I showed you exactly what I thought was going to come in every month. So now that said, the the profit for those three months is about right on budget. So it's 
this might just again be my third party perspective, but tell me if I'm wrong here, Todd. It just seems like a lot of where our money was invested in years past was more so in helping us already as a part of the party, greater big L libertarian party to feel pretty, right? It was sending the direct mail, praising specific volunteers or specific chairs of like different state, you know, affiliates. It was really just trying to, to make us feel like we were doing more than we really were. And, and that might be wrong, but then I look at where we should be spending our time, energy, and effort. I look at, well, what are the other two main parties doing? They're investing their money in in outreach, in marketing, in, in trying to recruit new members on top of already having the, the ability to recruit folks internally for fundraising. So, is it that I am off base there, or does that seem to pretty much align with what you saw when you opened up the books? I would say that it wasn't um, that bad. I would say that there were definitely major projects that they undertook that were very expensive. Um, Any examples that, you can give by chance? Sure. So, I mean, and and I'm not saying these as projects I didn't approve of. Okay, I'm just talking about expensive projects, so... The Frontier Project, which allowed us to get Marshall Burt elected, you know, to the Wyoming State House um, for one term, and then and then he was defeated after that. Um, that was a very very expensive project that focused on one very specific part of the country to get one person. You know, I mean, it, it focused on more than one, but to get one person elected for one term, mm-hmm. and then we spent a lot of money on over three. Uh, three plus years, you know, now, um, was it worth it? I don't know. We'll, we'll find out, you know, hopefully activity in Wyoming will continue to grow and, and we'll come back and, and get a few more, but, um, that was a very expensive project. What could we have done with that money in terms of membership, in terms of fundraising growth, in terms of that kind of stuff? I don't know. Um, we've spent significant amounts of money, um, in um in like crm uh crm expenses for years trying to figure out which crm we want to be in we had two for a long time we've now cut to one uh we spent significant amount of money in like um um software so that people could have um you know that would help them in local elections to uh, door knock and stuff like this, you know, that nobody used. So there's just been a lot of, <laughs> a lot of examples of things that maybe had, or probably had great, great intentions that just weren't, you know, should we have done those at this stage in the party mm-hmm. when we need to grow our base to this, you know, and we need to frankly get our fundraising up to this. And the way you get your fundraising up is to get members up and we're guilty of it too. Memberships to declining uh right now we need to figure that out we need to be spending more money on member acquisition um and that's where that contract and expenses comes in that we're talking about um so i mean you know yeah there were things but i wouldn't say it was like a, a beauty pageant it wasn't you know they weren't spending stuff on things that didn't make sense they were spending a lot of money on things that maybe only affected a few people is how i would put it Whereas we need to, if we had taken that same amount of money and tried to increase the number of people that were involved, you know, mm. most people, most people become a member and then become a productive member. They don't 
they don't start as a productive right. libertarian and then become a member. You know, we need to get more members and then drive them to the state party where they can be productive and then drive them into local politics where they can be productive. And, and then we start to see the result, you know? Yep. Well, Todd, we're already getting hard pressed for time here on the, uh, the main part of the show. Don't worry. We're going to be continuing things behind the paywall over on our Patreon. So folks, make sure you stick around there. But with that being said, I will start off our, uh, our final thoughts here. And uh, that is, if I could, Todd, I'll give some consulting advice, not just to the greater libertarian party, but just libertarians in general out there, right? We have to stop selling features of libertarianism. Stop selling the, the shiny thing that we think people will be attracted to, but rather start painting the picture in terms of what a truly free libertarian society will look like. Help them see that we can bring them from where they are today to a better brighter future. And we do that not through good ideaing people to death, but truly helping paint that picture, articulating a vision and help appeal to the emotions. I know libertarians, we try to like, like, you know, like the, the plague to avoid emotions because we think, well, you know, just our ideas are good enough alone to win. Sorry, folks, that's not true in politics. It's not true in sales. So what we need to do is actually put on our emotional empathetic hats and start approaching things that way. Reach out to people like you mentioned, Todd, folks who are open to our vision, open to our message, which is not everybody. It's specific people. When your target market is everyone, that means your target market is no one. So we have to figure out who is our niche and with that, help paint that pretty picture for them to know that we are not just a third political party, but rather a political party that will help make things better. Todd, that's my final thoughts for today's episode. What do you have for us? Yeah, no, I think that's uh, that's a great idea. Obviously, I talked a lot about marketing in the run up uh, to that election. And I would say that we have not spent enough time or money on that and getting our message out and getting and working on increasing membership and working on increasing our reach. So I, I like your ideas. I'm glad you're doing this show and I'm glad we're having these discussions. Amen, Todd. Well, folks, if you want to hear Todd's thoughts on both Tucker Carlson and Don Lemon being axed from their respective channels at Fox News and CNN on the same day, We'll go ahead, hit your uh, subscribe button over on our Patreon, $1.99 a month to become an audience insider and hear Todd's answer, plus about 10 minutes or so of extra bonus content. We will see you guys over there behind the paywall. But other than that, folks, go ahead, follow me on social media at B Nichols Liberty, Twitter, Facebook, Minds.com, and Sovereign. If you want to go ahead and catch the episode before everybody else, it'll air a day in uh, a day ahead of time, but also it'll air in its entirety with that bonus Patreon uh, paywall behind the scenes content as well. And uh, with that, Todd, where can folks go ahead and follow you? They want to continue the conversation. Yep. Todd Hagopian on Twitter, Libertarian in Chief um, on Facebook. And those are basically the two places. Perfect. We'll include those links in the show notes. And by the way, folks, if you're joining us here on YouTube, well, you should, should be uh, seeing a video pop up right about here. That's our episode from last Friday where we sat down with Michael Pickens. He was going to tell us how to reprogram our brains. Yeah, it's a great conversation. So I'll make sure I see you guys over there. But with that being said, we're going to go ahead and continue things behind the paywall. So with that being said, Brian Nichols signing off here on The Brian Nichols Show for Todd Hagopian. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com. 
Enjoying the audio version of the show? Then you'll love our YouTube channel. Be sure to head over there and subscribe. And if you're new to The Brian Nichols Show, be sure to head to your favorite podcast catcher and click download all unplayed episodes so you don't miss one of our nearly 500 episodes that will be sure to leave you educated, enlightened, and informed. If you got value from today's episode, can you do me a favor and head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash support and leave us a $5 donation? And by the way, have you given the show a five-star review yet? If not, head to Apple Podcasts and tell folks why you listen to the program and don't forget to tell your friends to subscribe too. Follow me on social media at B Nichols Liberty. And again, if you'd be so kind, please consider making a donation to the Brian Nichols Show at briannicholsshow.com forward slash support.